Hello, newsies. Uh, welcome to another episode of Get the Flick Out of Here, uh, starring me, Skeletor, and my co-host, He-Man. Uh, Kate, I know you've been vegan now for a couple of months. Mm-hmm. I want to congratulate you, Thank you on your hot new bod. Thank you so much. Uh, um, holy S, I look good, is all I would like do. to say. And yeah. uh, amazing thing has happened. When you choose to be kind to animals, like you get ripped and you get a yeah. nice little six pack mm-hmm. and, you know, you make some, some sacrifices in the testicle area yeah, as I mean, a gal, but, yeah. you know, sacrifices have Still, to be made. Looking good though. Thank um, you. Yeah. I feel, I feel good. You guys don't like it to uh, see me from like here up. Yes. Here down, it's on masterpiece. It's, it's just, it's just <laughs> you just carved out of granite. Statuesque. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, we're recording this at night uh, because I have I have to go to a pageant or some kind of thing my daughter is doing tomorrow. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm going to be a good dad tomorrow. Um, so, uh, so you're seeing this today, which is not today. It's tomorrow for us but it's today for you makes it kind of, listen there's a lot of uh, listen we got to play you, you, if you the play with time <laughs> like like mo- like this movie does time and space and all this kind of we're watch- we're reviewing masters of the universe from Alex are you going to a pageant or are you going to another dimension I'm not I'm going to a pageant and then, oh okay no that's good just I just you know I mean it's not a pageant I they they're calling it Olympics but I don't Feel like there's going to be like an actual com- com- competition athletically. Um, Wouldn't that a- be awesome if you were wrong and you showed up and all of a sudden she was like a champion shot putter and you were like, "What?" Yeah, no, <laughs> Even- I know my daughter. She she likes to run, not the most coordinated gal. So, um, <laughs> well, well, if she could do anything like that, I would be amazed. Um, She's just like me. So um, that's not true. I don't yeah. like to run, but the non-coordinated part. We're we're reviewing Masters of the Universe, the movie based on the cartoon, based on the toy line. Um, And when 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 you get to that point, only good things can happen uh, where you're basing things off of other things that were based on other things. Um, It's always good. Like Uh, this is game of telephone. Yeah. The movie came out in 1987, which was uh, too late to to hit the craze of Masters of the Universe. Um, the toy line uh, came out first, but they were already planning on doing the the after school cartoon that uh, was was um, was based upon it, uh, which had about 65 episodes made um, in 83 and 84. And they ran in syndication for a couple of years. Yes. <laughs> when did when did Star Wars come out? The uh, this was all post Star Wars. Star Wars was seventy seven, eighty, and eighty three. Okay, because I don't um, know anything about anything, mm, but mm. I do know <laughs> that kind of kicked off like the action figure craze with stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, so they, when, I, when it was they just realized that they could. That, you could do action figures first seemed yeah. like a reaction almost like to that instead of going yeah. the other way around. Once they realized that they could um, mirror, I'm sorry, that they could merchandise um, 
the the characters for two kids. Um, it was opened up a whole new line of money to be made, and that's the most important thing. So, um, so yeah, the the um, the the cartoon was um, just a, a wonderful relic of the 1980s. Uh, the episodes are floating all over YouTube. Find one, watch one. Um, I own all of the episodes on DVD. Uh, I grew up with the cartoon. Thundercats household. So I was born in 87, but my sister's older than me. And she, I remember had, she was very into Shira, like very. Um, and there were a lot of toys and she also had like the, the mask and the sword and the whatever. Uh, but that was all like the same time right this absolutely chaotic no, she she-ra, she-ra was was uh was another line of toys and another separate cartoon that was a spin-off of he-man and the masters of the universe because she-ra was he-man's sister um okay that's right but li- okay. but lived in a diff on a different planet in the same solar system uh because they were separated at birth to protect them from skeletor Basically, they they were Luke and Leia, uh, sept- being protected from Darth Vader. Even though Darth Vader Skeletor wasn't their father, it's a, it's a. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Honestly, Kate, there's a lot to uh, to 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 go through in a Masters of the Universe coffee table book, which I own. Uh, um, this is all about the toys and the and when they were introduced and stuff. It's actually very interesting. Um, I am a hopeless dork, but um, <laughs> I I I love I loved these the, the cartoons and the 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 um, action figures. This is a little guy that I just happened to find while I was looking around for stuff. This is Whiplash. He does not appear in the film, um, but my parents have a whole giant storage tub full of old action figures that I had when I was a kid. I had so so many of them. Um, played with them like a lot. Like didn't like just display them on shelves. Like bashed them into each other. Set up whole like battles and fight choreography and stuff. And uh, so yeah, I was really into it. And then uh, was so excited. Um, a couple years later, when the movie came out, and my dad took me and my little brother to it. And um, you saw this... at least three of your favorites, right? <laughs> But this this predates the trend of gritty reboots by a good couple of decades. You know what I mean? Like there was no nobody said, "Hey, what if let's let's do Superman, but make it like gray all the time." Like the Snyderverse was not a thing that anybody had thought to do yet. Eighty seven, like that predates Tim Burton's Batman, which again was a rethinking of what. Batman was at the time he was very the most the most um popular version of Batman's um like at least the one most people were familiar with was the old Adam West TV show and then Tim Burton was like let's make it dark and gritty and like there's just a layer of grime over all of Gotham City let's make it kind of dark and scary and that and this movie predates that and so they were like uh, I would argue unnecessarily said let's make this thing um dark and and let's make skeletor uh into another kind of character because if you watch the original show 
which looks like this. He-Man doesn't look like that in the movie. Um, they've 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 gone away from the page boy haircut, and it's more of like a nice, fashionable a '80s mullet. Yeah. Um, they gave him a cape for no reason in the movie. Uh, his 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 trunks are noticeably less fur lined in the movie. Um, but also they went far away from this version of Skeletor. <laughs> so um, far. Be- this version of Skeletor. Uh, never got the best of anybody ever. He was famous, <laughs> famously lost every battle. Um, was I'll very get angry you about next it. time. Yeah. Yes, there was a lot of "I'll get you next time." There was a lot of curses foiled again at, at the end of episodes uh, for, <laughs> for Skeletor. But they said, "Let's make him into uh, Richard the Third. Let's make him into the most harrowing villain of a Shakespeare play." And that was not at all who Skeletor was. Um, there are other uh, examples when we talk about the movie individually um, of, of people who they went a little fur, farther away from the, um, the source material than they needed to. Um, but there are, um, let's see here. I'm going to, I'm going to, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are seven characters from the the cartoon that preceded this the cart the cartoon that they were that this was based on there are seven characters from that that they chose to put in the film and if you're thinking well they probably only had like 8 or 9 available to them <laughs> this is the a number of characters they could have chosen to put in their movie but they only chose seven of these to do it so yeah i mean like i I, as a little kid seven eight years old going to see the movie in the theater with my dad i was like i don't know who that is and my dad's like well if you don't know son i have no idea Um, yeah so we'll (laughs) we'll just there they did a lot to like okay we're gonna capitalize on a lot of star warsy elements um there are a lot more laser guns in this movie than there were in the TV show. A lot of it was hand to hand in the TV show. Uh, more laser guns here. They have a whole army of. Um, Alex, it was a, of it's a lot of lasers to the crotch. There's a lot of lasers to the crotch. Yeah. We'll talk about it, but like, yeah, it's a lot of but lasers a, to the, the crotch and laser versus ar- sword action. Whole army of bad guys. Like just like a, like just people got, Faceless troops, like stormtroopers, but they're so black. Stormtrooper. It's like yeah. they took stormtroopers, mm-hmm. stirred it up with Darth Vader, right. like aesthetically, and just threw yeah. them out there. And I'm yeah. not even like a Star Wars person. I was like, those no. are stormtroopers. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they're stealing a lot from that. Um, and there was a lot of like, we we how do we ground this? How do we ground this in a way that people uh, of today will be able to relate to it? Well, we could create a whole section of lore and backstory for all these characters in this cool new planet and different locales and fun new creatures. Or we could just send all of the characters to 1987 America and do a fish out of water story with, you know, all the resulting hijinks. And they decided that route, which I I honestly, I feel like Star Wars wouldn't have been as popular 
if they just like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, a bunch of people traveled from that far off galaxy and landed on Earth. And and then they met a couple of teenagers. <laughs> womp, womp, womp. Like there wasn't, that, you <laughs> and know. We're hanging out in upstate New York. <laughs> it just, just kind of like. Nah, this is not this is not the way I would have done this. Um, and as a result, this flopped hugely. Uh, it it did not make its money back at the box office. Um, people oh, thought. Boy, it was did they to, think it was? They thought it was going to be something big. It's not big. Um, so uh, yeah, I will. We'll, we will talk about this um, now. Starting the there is an there is. A narrator who appears once to narrate this particular thing. This is all the backstory they give you. They're like they they could easily have done some stuff using the cartoon as a jumping off point. Um the the central thing about the cartoon is there is Prince Adam, who is the royal prince of Eternia, who then uses the sword of Grayskull, the power sword, it is called. And when he grips it and holds it aloft and says, I have the power, he turns into He-Man. And but but normally he's just a he's just a he's just a kid who's, you know, the he's a he's a teenager who is the crown prince. And everybody thinks he's kind of this um, goof. Uh, and so he couldn't possibly be the secret identity of He-Man. Um, there's a lot of that. There's no Prince Adam. There's not really an Eternia. There's like a, a version of Castle Grayskull from the from the toys and the thing, but not really. So they didn't really do a lot of like um, saying anything um, uh, that really would have explained what's going on here, aside from this particular bit of narration which reads at the center of the universe at the border between the light and the dark stands castle grayskull for countless ages the sorceress of of castle grayskull has kept this universe in harmony but the armies of darkness do not rest and the capture of grayskull is evermost in their minds for to those that control grayskull will come the power the power to be supreme the power to be almighty the power to be Masters of the universe, and I would argue that's not enough backstory for anybody to know what the hell's going on. No, that was not a good promo at all. Yeah, it was pretty, um, uh, pretty like vague and doesn't do to your point. It, I didn't watch the cartoon that much, but I, I knew like. You see in one episode, you see them all, right? Like, <laughs> this didn't feel yeah. like a connective tissue in any way. It didn't feel like as much of a departure as the Mario Brothers movie, but right. it didn't uh, It didn't feel as cohesive as, like, it could have. Pro- mostly because of what you said about, like, they just feel like they're in rural Pennsylvania they, or whatever. Right. <laughs> but they they also allude to, like, this lifelong battle between He-Man and Skeletor. And they just mentioned a few times, but don't go delve into any of it. Like, how, how did that start? 
Yeah. Who are you exactly, He Man? Like, who are you? A like a a demigod? Are you like the Hercules of this planet? What what are you? What why do why are like I know it as a child watching this because I know all I know the lore of of He Man. He's indestructible. You can't defeat him. He does whatever like that guy. But so I just take all that knowledge and put it onto Dolph Lundgren. On the, yeah, but. But uh, like anybody who's watching this who doesn't know would be like, I don't understand why is this guy so special other than the fact that he's Jack, you know? I mean, and they never really, they never really do a job to like uh, explain it. He looks a lot like the guy from Rocky Four. He does, but with like a little longer hair. Yeah. Uh, maybe not as not as not as menacing. Not a whole lot of if he dies, he dies in this particular <laughs> not so guy. Much. But yeah, um, so. Uh, this also, this is the music too. This is Bill Conti, the guy who wrote the um, the score for Rocky. That wait, does he need uh, to send guy? a text message too? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, that guy, they were like, Can you write something that sounds vaguely like John Williams wrote it for, yes. for, for Star Wars? <laughs> and he did a good job writing something John Williams-esque. But like that was they were actually they hired the guy who wrote the score for, for, for Rocky to write a John Williams score. Because presumably John Williams was too expensive, but and I would he did, it, and he did. It's on. It honestly, it's not bad. The music's not nearly the worst part of the film, so that's good. Not even um, close. The only complaint I had with like music and sound stuff was there were just some very overused dramatic like head turns, mm. <laughs> where it'd be like, duh. Yeah, there's a lot of that. There is a lot. Of um, that. But it's also so, part of the 80, 80s charm a little bit. Yeah. After the opening credits, we just see like this. We see an, uh, it's pretty crazy how this alien planet looks exactly like the California desert. I mean, you wouldn't think it would, but it does. Um, I was thinking like uh, Land Canyon-ish, but yeah, yeah California yeah. Desert, desert might be a little bit we more. We just accurate. see like a, random people being like walking along with their hands laced behind their heads, being pushed by other soldiers through a vague desert landscape um, and then a bad model slash painting establishing shot of Castle Grayskull, which looks nothing like Castle Grayskull in the, in the, in the, in the cartoon. That's another um, one that I was like, wait a minute, even I know that. <laughs> no, no, so I did not look at it like at all. But um, now we see uh, Skeletor uh, walking up and uh, you never see his face for a little bit. And he's got a giant staff and he goes, bong, as he's walking along, bong. All these, all these uh, black stormtroopers lining the the throne room, and he gets up there, and, he, and he, uh, with Evelyn, speak. And uh, this is where we meet Evelyn. Uh, Evelyn uh, does not look like this. Um, uh, they they do some they take some liberties, but it's it, this is not necessarily the worst uh, departure from not the character. Was. But this is Evelyn <laughs> is is a major character in in the in the in the. Uh, cartoon um but this is evil in the cartoon 
she's played in this one by Meg Foster, who has the lightest colored eyes I've ever seen. I was the, wondering, like, are they those, contacts or those are not contacts? That's wild. Okay. I if you see her in other movies, like I've seen, I, I like, oh, that's that's Meg Foster because I watched this movie a lot when I was a kid. That's Meg Foster from who played Ava Lynn, and then I'll see her in another movie, and I'll be like, why did they have her wear the Ava Lynn contacts? That's weird. Oh my god, those are her regular those are her eyes. eyes. <laughs> I'm like, no, those are distracting. Have her put in some regular colored contacts to play any other character other than Ava Lynn. Yeah, that's wild. Because those are the lightest colored eyes I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and uh, so anyway, uh, Meg Foster, uh, she's like, um, uh, we, 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 um, we are closing in on the Thanurian as we speak. The city has fallen. Uh, we will have He-Man by nightfall. Um, yeah, I, I must have him. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's like, she says, oh, at last, think of it. Grayskull is ours. No! Mine! And this is Frank Langella, uh, who is a, a brilliant trained actor um, who played Nixon and Frost Nixon. Uh, and notably for this podcast, played uh, played the bad guy in Junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger, um, the, the the very uh, <laughs> uh, dowdy professor with, with with the little <laughs> with the little bow tie. He was like, "Hmm, I wonder why why Arnold Schwarzenegger is getting so fat. It certainly couldn't be because he's used his his drugs up to to pregnant pregnancy on himself." Uh, that guy. But he was he was Skeletor like seven years before that, and um, he has said this is one of his most famous, uh, f- most favorite roles because Aww. he he got to basically overact and chew the scenery like an old timey uh, Shakespearean villain uh, and had a blast doing it. Um, and that makes uh, they, sense because like it must be, the, you get to be a cartoon most, villain, right? I mean, literally, he's got the most fun dialogue of anybody in this thing by a long shot. Like he's, it's a lot of fun the way he does. Like he's, uh, um, it's, it's like um, it's the source. It's like um, the sorceress is uh is there the sorceress? This is uh the sorceress in the movie is like played by the actress with the unfortunate name of Christina Pickles. Um, but uh, but she is very regal. Um, all in all in white, uh, which is a far off cry from the cartoon. She's not a bird. Literally, like has a bird. She's wearing the inner. She's wearing the skin of a bird. I did not know you could just skin a bird and wear it, but she's doing just that. Looks like Birds of Prey from It's Always Sunny. Yeah, uh, she does not look like this in the movie. She looks no, like a snow queen in the movie. Yeah, she does, and that but, is not the case. But Christina Pickles um, gets to just stand there behind a force field for the for the entirety of her of her pretty much yeah. part in this thing. Um, and she's like, "He man is still alive. I can feel it." And uh, Skeletor says, "Ah, can you? How sensitive you are." Can you feel this? And then he puts up his hand and like like some weird like glittery wisps of of special effects stuff like float through the force field from her into the palm of his hand. And he's like, ah, like, did you just like drink her life essence? 
Can you? Because you never do that with anybody else in the whole. That's the one time they ever use this bit in the whole movie. And if you could do that, I feel like you would do that with other people. But he never does. So it. Uh, well. So the special effects in this movie are not good, and it's so mm. much fun how not good mm. they are. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, I I didn't understand what this was. Yeah. Um, he says activate the holosphere, like hologram sphere. He basically he's FaceTiming the whole planet. There's like that's what he's doing. He's like, citizens of Eternia, you know, the kingdom has fallen. I am in charge. Um, your, your sorceress is my prisoner. Is and they're it, like, you're that... on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> <laughs> Grandpa. Can Grandpa, hit the, hit the little microphone button. Mm. And that, no, it's actually, <laughs> it's actually, just, it's just a, it just, on the video, it's just his ear because he's holding it up to his ear. That'd be funny. Um, now he, uh, he says that um, I have your, pres- uh, at moonrise tonight, I will be the most powerful being in the universe. The movie never. It has so many opportunities to explain this. It never explains why Moonrise makes him very powerful at all. There's the mechanics of it, the the why, the how, not never explains why Moonrise is so important. But Moonrise is the yeah, ticking and- clock. They have to get back to Eternia once they leave Eternia. They have to get back to Eternia and save the sorceress before Moon before Moonrise for not Moonfall, Moonrise, but before Moonrise or the, everything goes kaput. But nobody explains. We find out what happens at the end of the movie at Moonrise, but never why or how. Yeah, and they're not like werewolves. There's nothing like, no. Um, no. there's nothing that you can assume about why Moonrise would be so important. No, he's based not on who their the skeleton are. of a werewolf. So that doesn't, yeah, you're right. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so, uh, the sorceress is now my prisoner and her powers are joined with mine. Let me be this, my first decree. Those who do not pledge themselves to me shall be destroyed. The new age begins. It's very dramatic. Um, It is is a dramatic little film. Yeah. He-Man is standing on a bluff looking at the holosphere, just standing there. He's not moving toward any place he's not um lying in wait for somebody he's not looking for anybody he's not doing anything he's just standing there and a party of of soldiers happens to walk by his present location carrying the most important character in the film with them (laughs) and if that doesn't happen the movie never takes place that is how crazy this movie is he's not looking if he's looking for this particular guy and finds him, great. He's an agent in the old in the movie. If they don't happen to walk past his current location right now, the movie never happens. When, when you are writing the script, don't ever do that. Because <laughs> don't do that. If the movie requires just a random coinky dink to happen for so the rest of the movie can occur, just don't. Don't do that. Find another way is fair. Find another way is what I would say. Um, there's no establishing shot to show us him in the same area as the passing soldiers. He just does a one-legged flying drop kick, 
out of from out of frame, not from behind something, because we see the rest, we see the whole area in other shots during the fight. There is nothing he could have been hiding behind when he jumps out and kicks the first dude. It's like I don't know. This is this film is full of really bad fight choreography and even worse fight cinematography. Like there's a bunch of like I can't tell you how many fights Dolph Lundgren is in where they show like they have a Kevin Dunn's worth of of, I was of, just of gonna cuts, say. <laughs> but a bunch of them are just Dolph Lundgren's face moving through the shot, and it does that doesn't help us to know what the hell's going on. They honestly look like they're dancing at certain points. Yeah. Um. So he's got a sword. He's got the the power sword, but. Also, it's let's just, can we get a better name for the power sword? I'm not saying it's, it's got to be it. named like Drew McIntyre's mom. It's it's and it's accurate. It's, it's the sword of Grayskull. But in the it, he can shoot like lightning out of it in the in the in the in the comic books and the and the and the and the uh, um and the in the cartoon, but he doesn't do it. It's not a special sword at all. It just happens to belong to He-Man until the very end of the film, when it is the Sword of Grayskull. And it has not been called that until that moment at the very end of the film. I don't feel like that's the... Make it important at some point before you just introduce it that in the last... Literally the last 10 minutes of the movie. Um, So anyway, he uses a sword (laughs) and then steals like two... Like these, these are like rifles that all other men need two men, two arms to shoot. He just like holds it from the hip, like he's Rambo, and starts shooting all these guys with laser beams. Last last week with Chopping Mall, we were we were very obsessed with laser beams and uh, and and what they did when they made contact with human skin. One yeah, poor girl got her head exploded. Other people like took a full shot like, to the back, did ow. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that hurt. Um, this movie also very inconsistent with what laser beams do. That is correct. Um, uh, it's kind but, of a gamble. Yeah. Um, so we we got at one point he pulls a dagger from his boot and throws it at a guy and it pierces his armor. That's a hell of a dagger. That um, is. Uh, there's a it's a the movie never really decides what kind of warriors these guys are. Like one guy fights him with a sword, but other guys are using the laser yeah. cannons. <laughs> I don't know. Um, he's he, at the end. It's just the, there's two guys shooting at him from a distance, and they get shot in the back. And this is Man at Arms and Tila. These are major characters from the cartoon. This and Man at Arms in the cartoon. They do actually a pretty good job. Of, of being faithful to this character's design and and the character itself in the movie. This is probably the most faithful. Um, he is 100% in the cartoon, Burt Reynolds, um, wearing a weird green turtleneck and, and a funny helmet. That is, that is what he is in the cartoon. Uh, he has a mustache in, uh, in, in the movie, which is good. Um, uh, and then this is Tila in the cartoon. This is not what they do with Tila in the movie. No, it is um, 
uh, doesn't look like this at all. But Duncan is the real name of Man at Arms, and like they call him Man at Arms almost all the time in the cartoon. Um, but but that means is he's the captain of the guard for the for the for the Royal Guard, or whatever. But Man at Arms is what they is a, is a title. So um, he's Duncan, and then his daughter is Tila, and she's the captain of the guard, or I don't know what the hell. Um, but they're out there, and like, and it's like, hey, Donald Trump, his first first line is, "I've been looking for you," because they they had him like look directly into the sun to say the line, so he's squinting in a weird way and wincing his face as he goes, "I've been looking for you." That's the first line that Dolph Lundgren says in this movie. It's a, it's a bad, it's a bad, it's a bad idea. Um, but he hasn't been looking for them. He's literally been standing there watching, um, watching a FaceTime from Skeletor. Um, uh, this is where we find out that the the bad guys were carrying um, Gwildor. Gwildor does not have a um, a representation. Um, they they stole the idea like the function of the character um is basically that of orco about two three quarters of the way up the side of the mountain on the left here where wearing a dress and a weird hat um (laughs) that's orco orco was a mainstay of the of the cartoon he's the little guy who gets into trouble and is vaguely annoying so, like, let's not have a little guy who is vaguely uh, vaguely annoying and gets into trouble that everyone who will watch this movie knows and already loves. Let's introduce a brand new, extremely annoying little guy who gets into trouble. And that is Gwildor, played by the uh, the venerated uh, little person actor Billy Barty, um, with, a, with, a, with very, a lot of prosthetics on the face. So much so that like uh, that they didn't like think they they the full thing like when you see Frank Langella as Skeletor, which is a lot of makeup, you can still see it's his own mouth moving. Billy Barty under the Gwildor makeup is like like he he's under there making the sounds, but the jaw barely moves up and down. It's very disconcerting to look at. It's a little weird. It's a lot of it's a lot of weird. Um, so, um, the city fell. We never see the city. We have no idea what the city is. We have no, what, what, I don't know what the city is. They never show us the city. They, um, Tila assumes that someone's betrayed them, which is how they were able to ambush them within the city. The entire army of Eternia was routed. Um, but Gwildor is a, is, is a Thenurian. He is Gwildor of Thenur which is the person that Evelyn was talking about at the beginning of the movie. He is a locksmith, an inventor, but he is very annoying. Um, and uh, Skeletor is looking for him. Um, I'll, I'll show you why he's looking for me. He takes him to his house, which is a door in the side of a mountain. And he, he, uh, he says, I remember when we didn't have to lock our doors, but those days will come back. Oh, yes. So he wants to make Eternia great again. He's a mega. Gwildor's a mega guy. Oh, no. I mean, listen. He thinks that the, there's a great... Oh, old, the old days were so much better. There was so much... There's so much crime now. Um, 
Uh, anyway, uh, why are you so important? Somebody just finally comes out and says, why are you so important? Um, uh, Skeletor um, uh, wants me dead because I made I made this thing. And he find, it's, it's called the Cosmic Key. Um, Skeletor wants me dead so I can't make another one. He doesn't know that I have this prototype. Um, I, with it, I can open a door to anywhere using... The gravitonic tones. The movie never explains what the hell, why, why music opens doors. That the dimension, like dimensional portals to far off galaxies can be opened using music. And the movie never ever bothers to explain what any of what any of that is. Mm -hmm. Um and so this he man's like, so that's how Skeletor got his troops inside the city to ambush us. Uh yep, that's it. Uh, and Gila wants to kill him, and um, and I believe me, I understand. Uh, and, but uh, Wildor was tricked by Evelyn, who showed up. And says, she heard about my fame as a locksmith, you know, all those famous locksmiths. Um, and she came in to ask me about my work, and then she stole the key. Um, and uh, can your key to get us into Grayskull to the sorceress? Yeah, yes, I can, but if I try and use it, they'll find us too late. They already found you. Um, <laughs> So there's a there's a uh, a little dude with bad skin and Bonnie Tyler hair, and uh, this is Karg. He's got one hook for a hand, and and the other hand always carries a tiny little knife. Like it's just it's just, it's you. Over we there. talked about this a little bit before we went on air. A little peek behind the curtain. It's a yeah. it's an s wordy knife. It's not yeah. a good knife. It's yeah. It's not a it's not a good. Don't knife. bring a crappy knife to a laser sword fight, as they no. say. He never uses it. No point does Karg do a damn thing. He never fires a laser. At one point, he grabs a teenage girl and says, I've got you, my pretty. And then she pushes him away. And that's it. That's the whole that's, that's it. That's all Karg ever does. He's entirely useless. He's very small, he's like five feet tall. Um, I've got this knife for threatening purposes only, yeah. and I will never follow through. Um, it. He says, uh, "He said, well, there's a bunch of like little, those stormtroopers with him." He says, "He says to the top stormtrooper, ionize." So he he's going to ionize the door, and it takes a while to ionize the door. So there's a there's a back door out of this place that leads to a secret passage, and um, he says, uh, "Hey, uh, where does this take us?" To the caverns underneath Castle Grayskull. Oh, great. What a great coincidence. That's exactly where we need to go. The movie never shows us the caverns underneath Grayskull because they didn't have a location scout for that particular cave. The next time we see them, they're just in the throne room of Castle Grayskull. <laughs> the movie didn't decide. To, like, you know, there's nothing there. Um, the shh, everybody, it's too quiet. They must be lying in wait. Hey, isn't it the sorceress? Yeah, let's all run out into the open. <laughs> Just dummies. Just a bunch of dummies. Um, so, uh, um, so the sorceress uh, says, "Like sorceress, we'll, we'll get you out of here." Uh, no, Skeletor has imprisoned me in this force field, which only he can dissolve. Isn't that handy? Um, uh, Grildor, can you open a door in the force field? Yes, of course, but it's going to take time. Well, then start working. Uh, I need some time to ca to compute the gravitonic tones, he says. Um, uh, Skeletor is stealing your power, 
says He-Man to Scorceress. I can withstand him until Moonrise, but that's it. What the hell happens at Moonrise? Um, until the great eye opens on the universe. Yeah, but then what? It's, it's, <laughs> it is so much of this is underpants gnome's logic. <laughs> Step one, wait until Moonrise. Step two, question mark. Step three, Skeletor is an all-powerful god. What happens during step two? Step two is a jack-in-the-box-like structure. Yeah, it could be be that. Um, Oh, whoops, the troops are all here, and Skeletor is walking in. It doesn't look like they were lying in wait. It looks like they were all in the conference room. Like I, maybe they're all in the break room celebrating Brenda's birthday with cupcakes. I don't know where they all were, but it was does not look like ah, we got you now. They walk in and are genuinely surprised to see He Man there. They're not like lying in wait. This movie's this movie's bad. I love I loved it as a kid, even though I didn't understand it. It's a bad movie. Um, so it's fun. No, because as um, a kid, you're just like, oh my god, strong dude, swords, lasers. Yeah. Oh yeah, fun. Um. Gwildor hides and He-Man runs a distraction play. Um, <laughs> and he's like, hello, it's me. Don't I came here by myself. Um, and uh, this is this is some great Frank Langella stuff. He gets a, he has a lot of staff acting. Like he's got his big giant staff with a ram's head on it. It's all made out of like metal and stuff. He's like, everything comes to he who waits. Um, he's very. It does have to be really funny as an actor he's to, just to get to be a yeah. cartoon villain. Yeah. Um, just, everything comes to he who waits, and I have waited so very long for this moment. Um, uh, he's like, when the moon reaches its zenith, blah 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 blah. I'm never going to explain what's going to happen, but it will be very good for me and very bad for you. Um, uh, I'm gonna kill the sorceress, he says. And then, man at arms, who's hidden and nobody knows he's there, goes, You dare threaten her life? Way to go, Duncan. Now you let him know that you're here too. Um, but he goes, I dare anything, I am Skeletor. Uh, he's just so dumb. Um, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> he says, uh, it's me you want. It's always been between us. Then the movie never explains this. No, there's no context as to it's why all, it's always it's been, been then. Between us. Always no Batman now. and Joker. There's no, like, there's no like time where he like in a, in an introspective time while they're waiting for something to happen. Like a wilderer says, Hey, give me five minutes and I'll figure out how to get this thing to work. And they, there's five minutes of downtime. And so Julie is like, Hey, the, the Courtney Cox character will be here in a second. She's like, Hey, he man, would you care to explain this whole rivalry you got with, with Skeletor? Oh yeah. Well, we've got enough time. I might as well explain it to you in this one monologue. They don't do that ever in the movie. That's a standard thing in movies. They didn't do that in this movie. Not at all. No. Um, so, uh, so, um, Grildor opens the door, but he's just hitting the keys at random. And Evelyn's like, the little worm has another key. What? Get them, kill them, seize them. So they jump through this door that opens, but they have no idea where it's going. Um, uh, so they're shooting lasers at him. One knocks Grildor, the key out of Grildor's hand. So, uh, He-Man picks him up, runs, jumps through the thing. And then he shoots a grappling gun out. This is one of the coolest things in the movie. This shoots is a grappling cool. gun back out of the dimensional thing, grabs the key, and yoinks it back into the, into the dimensional portal. 
was I like one of the one of the coolest things in the movie. I like that a lot. Um, because um, oh, he man is alive and possesses another key. I must possess all, or I possess nothing. You know what wrestling is missing? This kind of heel, <laughs> like just like really like super dramatic. I must possess all the guy who's the belt collector because he cannot stand the thought of not having all of the gold. Like I want, just give me one of those guys for like six months. That'd be a lot of fun. That would be um, a lot of fun. Uh, normally it's like, I'm a belt collector because I'm really good at wrestling. Never, I'm a belt collector because I'm a horrible, like obsessive compulsive narcissist. No, it, come on. It has to have that same voice too with it. Like yes. I have all the gold in the yeah. land. Like it has mm -hmm. to be, it has to be cartoonish. Should also yeah. have a staff. Yes. That yeah. he won, mm -hmm. probably. Yes, probably. Or she. Too. This could be a female character. Yeah. Too. Uh, he should win the Honor uh, the Giant Memorial Battle Royal and then melt the trophy down and turn it into a giant <gasps> gold staff that he carries everywhere. Yep. I am not at you, all kidding you, about that. <laughs> if you melt that trophy, I'm pretty sure it's actually just chocolate. It's just chocolate. Yeah, just on chocolate. the inside. But still. Um, so, uh, okay. So... The, the thing about portals is they're tricky. Where do they go? <laughs> like, it's a good thing that this portal that is open randomly into some forest thing, right? Gwildor falls out of the portal and lands head first in two feet of water and requires, like, He-Man to, like, pull him out of the mud, which he is suffocating in. Um. It's a good thing you didn't open a portal two miles below the surface of the Pacific Ocean. Like, how, like, at random. It could literally open anywhere. I'm really glad it was there. Um, but they, 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 uh, they're in a forest somewhere. It is um, a, it's, it is a, a roulette of sorts with portals. Mm -hmm. uh, they're in a forest somewhere. Uh, they're in a forest somewhere outside of someplace in California. Um, they're they're like oh wait uh, hey I hear something, what is it? Um, uh, oh let me, hey scan the area. Oh, it's a life form, big. Let me blast it, says Tila. No 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 wait, it could be intelligent life. And it's like oh my god, it's really ugly. Um, and they point it. It's a cow, you know, because cows live in the forest and <laughs> it's really oh, so far it was out. It's like a forest. very sensual shot of the cow. Yes, like it was. A yeah. very like close, yeah. a very glamour shot situation. Yeah. Um, Gwildor's like, they say, hey, so can you get us? They ask Gwildor before they find the cow. They ask Gwildor, can you get us back to Eternia? It's like, I'm not an idiot. He says a torctum, which I guess we can assume is an idiot. Um, I wouldn't design a device that didn't store its own home coordinates. So, yes, I will just, yeah, all we got to do is turn on the thing and I'll, oh, wait a minute, where is the key? Because it's not still attached to the little grippy thing. So it's got to be somewhere around here. Um, it is miles from here. And I want to know how the portal works. Yeah, no, all okay. of them land here within a four and a half feet radius of each other. Why is the key miles from here? <laughs> I just want to know how the portal works. Just That's tell me okay. how the portal works, guys. There's so many yeah. things in this movie that don't work. I didn't even think about how... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, try live, try living up here. 
That's the thing is that not everything, everything is a question of why, why is this? Why is this not working up here? That's it's Well, this movie is just on overload with it too. So there yeah, are things that like true. fly under the radar. Um, uh, they decide to split up and look for the key because they don't have the key. That's when they find the cow and Gwildor decides to try and communicate with it by saying moo a lot. Um, let's, let's, let's all sync our, our locational devices. Beep. Well, you don't need to synchronize anything that doesn't have time. This this locate this is a locator thing, so they can find each other, as opposed to May, like maybe syncing your frequencies, though. Right? I get, like, yeah, maybe that's like it. how like know. a walkie-talkie. Um, so they're gonna go and find different sectors, right? Gwildor moves at the cow a lot. He's very annoying. Uh, now we cut to Robbie's Ribs and Chicken. It's a little little uh, drive-in place um, by the road. Uh, girl behind the counter is Courtney Cox. Um, eight years pre-Friends. Um, cute as a button. Um, and uh, this is the weird little thing. I don't know if you know, caught this detail. Her friend, who appears in this scene and only this scene, her best friend is named Monica. And I was like, that's some kind of crazy synergy. I'm sorry. That's, some, that's I did not that catch the, that. That's that crazy. is the universe talking to somebody in 1987. Um, but yeah, her best friend in this and movie this is named Springsteen Monica. And the Springsteen music video, she was yeah. Yeah. Uh, listed as dancer Monica number seven, I'm sure. Could have been. <laughs> um, so the, she's leaving town tonight, and she is moving to New Jersey. It's not evident at this moment how old she is. We find out she is graduating from high school, like, imminently. But she is leaving town tonight before the school year is over and moving to New Jersey. Why New Jersey? The movie never tells us. Um, because the there's friend, malls, there's great diners, proximity um, to New York City and Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. You don't need to be questioning why someone would want to go to Jersey, Alex. As, a, as opposed to Virginia or, or, or Philadelphia. Or New York, New York City. I w- honestly, New York City. I would not have questioned, but they said New Jersey, and it was just not not Trenton, not Newark, just New Jersey, which could have been anything. Just general New Jersey. Just general New Jersey. But friend Monica says, if you break up with Kevin Corrigan, you are going to regret it for the rest of your life. It's not seventh grade anymore. I've changed. Kevin's changed. Everything's different now. Your parents wouldn't have wanted you to like pick up and move with, without anybody with you. Like, it's a, I can't, I'm not going to argue about what my parents would have wanted. I love you. I miss you. I'll, I'll never see you again. Let's hug. Um, and so then that's her, her last night in California is spent working a shift at Robbie's Ribs and Chicken. She is leaving the next morning for the airport. Oh, it's either the next morning or tonight. I can't tell from this next scene. She is picked up by her boyfriend, Kevin, in an old Dodge van. She says, uh, hey, so uh, what time is your bus to the airport? 8.30. Great, so you can come to my sound check. Because he's that kind of high school boyfriend. He's that guy. Um, if it's tonight, the movie, this is, this is my own cross to bear. This movie is really bad with time. And like, it, this, wait. So when this is what May or June, because it's almost time for everyone to graduate, and it it gets dark at what time? Because it's almost the solstice, so it's we're 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 pretty late in the day when the sun goes down, 
Um, why is it why is it light at five thirty and dark at six thirty? And the rest of the I don't know, man. It's just a weird. It's a weird. I'm, I have a problem. Um. So. Uh, so. She says, "Hey, before before we before we go to, to to your sound check, I'd like to say goodbye to my parents at the cemetery." Okay, and they leave. And Tila shows up, and um, and she hears something—a twig snap in the brush. And she walks over, and it's her father. It's like, "Well, this is this is my sector. What are you doing here?" A good soldier always follows his nose. Oh, father, you're always hungry," he says. Um, I'm not always hungry. During the siege of Cray, 30 days without rations. And she's obviously heard this story many times before. I also feel like that story is a lie because many other times in this movie, he talks about how hungry he is. I do not feel like he actually ever went 30 days without rations. I don't believe it. Uh, but you know who else is there? Gwildor. And Gwildor is there and he shoots his little grappling hook into the back seat of... Um, of a convertible where a couple is making out and he gets a bucket of ribs and chicken and pulls it into the brush and they go over there with him and they're uh like uh he they he's drinking a little cup of barbecue sauce and it gets all down his beard it's very disgusting um and uh he's like i was going to share and they give it away he's like and she says why do they put this food on these little sticks Man at Arms says, those are rib bones. And they're Gwildor and Tila are immediately like, This is this used to be an animal. What a barbaric planet. And I thought of you, Kate. This Thank is the you. place where you should move to Eternia, where everyone there is vegan. I mean, it's true. Be kind to animals. And also, did you see what a vegan diet does for you? Mm-hmm. I have a six-pack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Arms. Um, honestly. Just as a refresher, this yeah, is what a vegan what diet does for you. I mean, my God. My God. Indeed. I've never looked better. No, nobody has. <laughs> um, so um they uh so better get back to control. So they all they all leave. Um, so at the cemetery, Courtney Cox says it's my fault they died. You don't understand. I've never told anybody this. Um I was supposed to go to the beach with them, but I said I couldn't. I said I had to study because I was lying because I wanted to spend the day with you, my boyfriend. And uh, and so instead they took a plane to Catalina and the plane went down and they died. Um, and that is very bleak. <laughs> I was going to say, it is a heavy little twist for a movie that is about yes. like... Other dimensions and mm-hmm. Skeletor. Yeah. Um, I just wish I could go back back into the past and change things. Yeah, but you can't. Unless, of course, there was some kind of weird interdimensional key that allowed you to pass a little bit of time. Um, so they're leaving, but they find the cosmic key in a crater and a flower bread. Um, and uh, Kevin thinks it must be one of those new Japanese synthesizers. Um, uh like we should t- turn this, turn this into the caretaker. Are you crazy? He just keep this for himself. Nah, we because we, it, it, there's little keys all over the side, all over it. So he punches them and like it makes sounds because he's, he's a he's a keyboardist. He knows how to make it. Um, so they activated the key though. So that means they were able to get a kind of a little bit of bearing on them. Uh, how ac- accurate says um, says uh, Skeletor. 
within a parsec eon. This movie loves making up words that mean lengths of time and and distance. A, a, um, a preton, a <laughs> chromon. It's point eight four chromons until moonrise. Says Man at Arms when they split up. I'm only showing point eight four. Couldn't you have said somebody two, got three? drunk and went through a science textbook? It was like that of proton, but a preton. Um, show, uh, should we should I prepare a full battalion? No. We'll send an advanced group. Uh, prepare the mercenaries. Uh, so uh, the high, there's a high school dance is set up. It says around the world fantasy. There's like a weird little cardboard Eiffel Tower and some stuff like that. Um, Kevin is doing a sound check with his keyboards. Apparently the dance is later tonight. But it's already like really dark out. And it feels like when's is the dance? What's the high school dance? Is it prom? I don't, it never, this movie doesn't tell us anything. Um, but they're just there. No one has arrived. Uh, Courtney Cox is looking around, looking very sad. Uh, let me try out this cosmic key deal. I'm going to amp this baby up, see how it sounds. There's a one big button on the side of it. You push it and all the things go wobbly goop all, all over the place. And there's a weird laser light show in the sky. Uh, Kevin is looking here and Courtney Cox is looking there. And th this is right. It's right in the middle. They're, <laughs> neither of them are looking where it is. And I feel like they could have like, okay, we're going to hang a little tennis ball right here. Both of you look at the tennis ball. And yeah. that's where we're going to put all, all, the, all the stuff. But they didn't do that. So it was kind of noticeable. Um, hey. Um, so uh, oh, that means that Skeletor can find them because they activated it again. Um, now we know where it is. And... Um, so we, we, uh, they, they show us the high school where they are. Okay. Here's the mercenaries and we meet blade who is uh, a bald white guy with an eye patch and a, a weird little headpiece that has blades on it, like little swords sticking up out of his head. I, and and again, strap. who is he on, um, on our list of characters? He's not. Nope, hmm. not not a part of. Not, there were only about 150 to choose from. He is not one of these. Here's the thing. There's so many that they're so small that you wouldn't even mm. be able to tell it, which That's means true. that you have a lot to choose yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> um, they did make a figure of Blade after the movie came out, and he is uh, here in the lower right, the the dude with the swords. Um, and that's Blade. Uh, also next to him in this picture is Sarad, who is a, some kind of lizard man. They do a pretty cool thing with him in the movie where they have like his neck pouch bulge when he breathes, which is kind of cool looking. Like I've never seen that done before practically in, in, a, in a movie because that's all got to be done with like there's no that's not CGI. They got to do that like with an actual air sack that they put in the in the costume. It's pretty cool looking. Um, and then we meet uh, the Beast Man. Uh, he's my favorite. Um, I uh, from the he's my favorite. I don't know if you know, but like in in the original uh, cartoon, uh, this guy is my favorite. That's why I also have a little bobblehead of of Beast Man. Um, I love uh, Beast Man was my favorite. Um, so uh, this is what he looked like in 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 the cartoon. He's entirely orange, wearing red for some reason, and and blue underpants. But um, he does not look like that at all in the movie uh, and never has a line. 
he's he's actually one of the most fun characters in the cartoon because he's like Red Skeletor. I'm, I'm so sorry, I screwed up again. I'm really bad at my job. Please don't kill me. He's <laughs> he's he's very very self aware about how bad he is at his job. It's true. But they never give this guy who plays the Beast Man in this uh, a line at all. Um, he is just a, a man who was also a beast. Um, and then, of course, Karg, the, the little guy with bad skin and Bonnie Tyler hair and, and a hook and a tiny knife. Um, and they are the, the finest warriors. They are, I have assembled your <laughs> finest warriors. Karg, who is four foot eleven and never lifts a finger to do a damn thing. And doesn't even use his tiny knife. Doesn't even ever use his tiny knife. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, He-Man has slipped away from me. I want him back. This must happen before Moonrise. Okay, I understand that you get to become a god at Moonrise. Why does He-Man fit into all of this? Just let him live in, in this fucking other planet. Like, what the hell? You know, like, what, what, whatever. Um, uh, so Kevin says, I gotta take this synthesizer to Charlie's music shop. Uh, Courtney Conks wants to say to say wants to stay to say goodbye um, to an empty gymnasium because she's not going to be here for graduation. Why not just wait until you graduate before you move to New Jersey? Yeah, there's no explanation around the urgency of it at all. It never, never. Um, uh, I don't know if she has to take a flight to New Jersey before her graduation. Um, uh, Courtney Cox looks longingly at a locket with pictures of her parents who are dead. But it's important that we know what her mom looks like. For yes. a later scene. So that's why you have this scene with a locket. The bad guys show up and they beat up the janitor. Um, poor, poor janitor. janitor. Um, hey, you Christ. kids can't be here. And then he gets the hell beat out of him. Um, Courtney Cox is like, hey, leave him alone. And then runs away. <laughs> and then they shoot lasers at her. Um, the, then Karg says, no, take her alive. She may know where the key is. And then they proceed to try to murder her several times over. Like the blade has swords that he is stabbing through. She's crawling under the stage and he's in, indiscriminately stabbing swords through the stage floor to get to her climbing, climbing under it. He's trying to kill her. And Beastman is trying to kill her. Uh, she is able to get away from Blade and the Beastman long enough to find a janitor cart, which has a uh, an open bottle of ammonia. Please, janitors, do not store your your ammonia in open bottles. And not then right. she flings a bunch of it into the face of Beastman. He does not like this. He goes... The next time we see Beastman, and for the rest of the movie, he's got color. I don't know what happened to give him the half crimson mask, but like... She never punches him. He never gets hit by anything sharp. I don't. I don't feel like ammonia has edges and can cut you. But that's the only thing that happens to him. But he's he's bleeding for the rest of it. Also, somebody get the dude a band aid. He's bleeding for the whole movie. At least some neosporin or something, something. for this Do guy. Something. But yes, uh, I had written in my notes that this is just basically mutamist. Like I don't know why yeah. I made him bleed. No, but it it's just. She runs out of the other thing. There's a giant fire. She runs out of the building. They run after her. There's a giant fire. The the lasers start a fire. Again, inconsistent it's, with our laser yeah. hood. Um, and she runs into a junkyard. 
Um, she runs into He-Man, who happens to be like tracking something. I don't know what. Um, and he's like, "You're right. You're right. I won't hurt you." Um, now, what are you running from? These creatures, these monsters. I don't know what's going. On. Okay, I'll got you. And he, he takes her and like he fights them all by himself. He leaves her like in the corner of the junkyard. Um, uh, they suck at fighting. This, I have to say, very faithful to the source material because in the cartoon they all suck at fighting. They're not. They're always <laughs> they always outnumber He Man at least four to one, and he just tosses them all over the place. It's not really a fair fight. John Cena um, Nexus bullshit. Yes, <laughs> but the one dude, the only secondary villain who has any kind of character, is Blade, who like gets there. He's got his two swords, and he's like. I have waited a long time for this. Like, like he's been wanting to test his mettle as the greatest sword fighter in all of Eternia against He-Man. And he fails miserably. <laughs> he, he, he loses. Like, He-Man just, like, takes his, one of his swords from him. He's like, oh, my sword. <laughs> Very um, he's un- back. uncelebratory he's, loss he's really of the sword this. in this. Um... So uh, then Sarad gets like picked up and thrown at Blade. Beastman grabs um, grabs grabs He-Man from behind, and the the dreaded one to the ribs, two to the ribs, three to the ribs. Oh, he let go. Now I can shove him. Um, and then uh, um, Karg finds Courtney Cox. Says, "Ah, my pretty," and then she shoves him, and he yeah. Karg is really bad at this um so they, then man at arms and tila show up and they're shooting uh things at him oh there's also a bunch of like the the, the stormtroopers they're all dead those are really easily yeah, but the named villains all run away retreat they'll run away because man at arms and tila show up and they chase after them okay so he's um he's like uh the baby faces stand tall everybody that's all we love that's what we like um so uh, we're um, we're so that's right. So now we see Kevin at Charlie's music shop. Charlie is this little guy with with glasses and a bad hat, um, and he's like, "Hey, I heard you were really good at the at that bar last night." He's like, "Yeah, no, I want, thank you. We're gonna be better tonight, tonight." So like, the, the dance is tonight, not tomorrow night. Tonight. Well, okay. Well, where where was everybody? Where was the rest of your band? Why are you the only one doing sound check? Um, but anyway, um, we uh, Charlie doesn't know what this this key thing is. No, of course. Um, no, uh, the fire engines they they race past here, right? So he's like, hey, something's crazy going on. Let's check it out. He picks up this giant thing. This is it's like this big. This tall, it's a police scanner, but he's got to hold it with both hands and like turn a giant Nile dot the eighties, man. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh, there's a huge fire um, at at Central High School. Uh, oh my God, Julie's in there, so he runs away. Um, so uh, then we get back to to the junkyard. So he says, um, uh, "So now that I've told you all of that." You understand that we have to get back to Eternia and stop Skeletor before Moonrise. So thankfully, we skipped all of the exposition because if they showed us this, we would have been here for hours. Like, how do you? You've just met this girl from a different planet, and you're you going to, to explain her to her all of the. I, yeah. I got it. Like, like this. This is 
this is that scene, the great, the great scene from Princess Bride, where he says, "Okay, let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up." Like th- that's see, you gotta that's have one of those guys. You gotta have Inigo. You gotta have Inigo who can tell you very quickly. So, um, so uh, Kevin shows up there um, and says, uh, "Hey, Carl, janitor fella, my friend, Carl the janitor, what happened?" And he goes, "You don't never want to know," which is true. Um, but he's trying to get in there, and the cops stop him. He's like, "My girlfriend's in there." No, we swept the place. There's no, nothing in there. We, there's nobody in there. Well, all we found was this purse charred to a crisp. That's my girlfriend's purse. All right. Well, let, let's let's talk to you. This is James Tolkien, uh, not J.R.R. Tolkien, a different Tolkien. <laughs> uh, James Tolkien, a brilliant character actor from the '80s who played the principal in in the desert uh, in the Back to the Future movies. Um, okay and uh he's he's great this is he's this little guy in a very long brown leather trench coat detective lubick he says um uh all right tell me about she's five five she's got dark short hair hey why are you writing let's go go look for her or something all right smart ass i'm taking you with me let's go look for your girlfriend just like you said right get in here we're gonna we're gonna go to her house i bet you know where that is don't you smart guy he's great He's very, very good at playing this part. Um, so uh, they're going to go to her house. Um, uh, so the bad guys got away. Sit rep from Man at Arms and Tila. We tracked them for a bit, but they got away. But that's okay, because Gwildor has found like a 57 Cadillac and put alien technology in it. And now it goes fast. Um, so um, uh, so they like, um, uh, oh, this is it. He's having this very intimate conversation with 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 Evelyn Skeletores. Like, um, I, I require you for my for as as my advisor. Tell me, what should I do? He man must be broken. Uh, he man must be destroyed, or the people will always believe he will come and save them. Like, no, if I kill him, he'll be a martyr, a saint. I want him broken. And then uh, here come uh, all the, all the failures come back. All the losers, the losing loser, who, the losing losers and losers. And then uh, it's like, uh, we uh, tracked the key, but were unable to take possession of it. Uh, we were outnumbered. Uh, we we thought uh, we might uh, return here and, and regroup with, with greater numbers. Uh, that's that's Karg. And um, in there is, uh, so you let He-Man free. You are aware of the penalty for failure. The penalty for failure, apparently, is lightning hands, because he shoots purple lightning out of his fingers at Sarad. Correct. Should have been Karg. Karg was a dude in charge. Karg is a little knife. Karg don't do shit. At least Sarad tried. But he gets vaporized, like disintegrated by lightning fingers. Later, we see him use lightning fingers, and nobody disintegrates. Nope. Nobody, that doesn't happen. So again, a little, little bit of some consistency with the lightning fingers would be it's great. A, it's a lot of like lightning and laser inconsistency in these eighties films, but yeah. nice to see the origin story of Xylee here. Um, yeah, get to see some lightning. That's fists. good. Yeah, um, I do love um, Blade. Like, give me one more chance, Lord Skeletor, and I, I am not in the giving vein this day. It's, it's this dude is written like he's Richard the Third. It's 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 this is I cannot stress this enough. 
very cool, but not at all who Skeletor is in the, in the cartoon. <laughs> like, I, he also famously has this super going. nasally, yeah, like, like He Man, I'll get you, He Man. It's not at all. I am not in the giving vein. I am not in the giving vein this day. That's not at all. Not even close. Yours is very good. Thank you. He sounds more like the beast in Beauty and the Beast. He does. He does. You're right. Um, Skeletor never never descended against anybody again. You think he would have? You think he might try that on He Man at some point? If you can shoot lightning over a distance of several feet. And if it touches somebody, they disintegrate. You Maybe try it on your might try enemy. that over the course of several decades. I don't know how long it's their entire lives that he and he man have been fighting. You'd think that would have been plan A if you have lightning well, fingers that disintegrate people. You know, he might have, but maybe it didn't work because they're so inconsistent with the lightning fingers. That's true. Um, so Evil Lynn is like, um, it, uh, it would be a pity to lose, to loot, to, to waste their talents. Like, well, then you're going to lead them. Uh, I didn't say I wanted to do that. He was like, well, then you should have shut up. You're in charge now. You're going with them. Uh, and if they fail, you fail. And we all saw the pay, the penalty for failure. Um, That's true. So now we're, we're at Courtney Cox's house. There's a big sold sign in the front yard. Um, Kevin and Lubick show up. They go in. And as they walk in, um, Courtney Cox calls her own house. This is the weird thing about she goes to a payphone and calls her own house. There's no reason why Kevin would be there unless he was looking for her. But like if he went back to, to the to the to the if he was still at the, at the wouldn't you she would call the music store. Right. Yeah. That's where she thinks he is. And I guess then she would call the janitor's office in if she has Carl's phone number um, and try and find him back at the school. Whatever, but there's no reason for her to call home. Her and own there's home, no reason yeah. for him to be there. And he's and he picks it up, it's like uh and it, it's her, but he doesn't want Lubick to know it's her. So he's like, Oh, hi, yes. No, I don't know where Julie is either. It's like, Kevin, what are you doing? What are you talking about? It's me, I'm right here. No, I have not heard from Julie at all. Person who is not Julie on the other end of this phone. It's a very obvious fake phone call, but at least Lubick sees through it. Um so um <laughs> Uh, he's like, hey, wait a minute. This thing, this ain't no th- synthesizer, is it? This, uh, this is something different. So then Evelyn uh, and all the, the bad guys show back up at the junkyard. Like, this is where we were ambushed. Uh, and it, everyone got us, says Karg. Like, let's see. So, like, she has a little device that can scan an area and show what happened there. Like, Rotor, um, who can see things with his device that he was not there for before. Same thing with, with the scanner. Uh, I was like, oh, looks like it was just He-Man. Oh, and a native girl. Ah, it must have been she who turned the tides against you. Outnumbered, outclassed is more like it. She's, she's, she's very good at this. She's very good at this. Um, and uh, so like, oh, we, we got a lock on the key. Um, but something is jamming us as they are heating up some old chicken in the, in the microwave. Locate the, locate the source of the jamming and destroy it. Bye-bye microwave. It explodes. And Lubick is understandably weirded out by this. Hey, where did you find this, kid? There's some crazy stuff going on here tonight. Where did you find this? I found it in a flower bed at, at the cemetery. Um, ask Charlie. He'll, he'll tell you. Uh, okay, well, I'm taking this to Charlie's. 
uh, and and when we'll we'll figure something out about this. Um, if your story checks out, you get this back. I said if, and then he leaves with the thing, and Kevin is just there, and Kevin is going to clean up, I guess, after the microwave exploded by putting old Burger King trash in a very small sink. That is the weirdest product placement I've ever seen. Is there's a little tiny sink, very tiny, the size of like a laptop, and it's very shallow, and he fills it to overflowing with old Burger King trash. They did not eat Burger King tonight. It's day old, several day old Burger King trash. He puts it because what association do you want with your brand more than old yes. trash? Yes. Yeah. Um, very weird. The, the bad guys bust in. Uh, Kevin uh, gets assaulted by the beast man. He takes a table bump. Like a he champ. does. Um, and they're, Beast Man's about to kill him. It's like, no, 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 leave him. Uh, uh, um, t- tell me, where's the key? I don't have it. I don't know what you're talking about. Like, uh, Let me persuade him, says Blade. Like, no, the collar. And it's a giant collar thing. So he looks like Roddy Strong from the future. He's got this, this, uh, this crazy glowing collar thing that makes him tell the truth. Um... So uh, it's like, um, where is it? Uh, I gave it. It was taken from me by a policeman. A policeman is such a weird way of saying (laughs) it's a policeman. The policeman took the key from me. Um, And uh, I don't know where he went, but you do know where he went. He told you he was going to Charlie's. Yeah. I thought this thing made you tell the truth. That's a weird, that is an inconsistency in the script. Yeah, Um, that's bad. Everyone's tossing the place trying to find things. Karg finds an old newspaper clipping that talks about the um, the the plane going down, and then a photo of everything. This is the native girl who helped He-Man. Ah, this will come in handy for a very specific thing. There's no way I could know now that I'm going to use it for that thing then, but we might as well talk about it right now. Good. So then they leave, and they leave the collar there. That seems like a very expensive piece of equipment to just leave. It's just a weird leave behind, yeah. When they when they leave, but they do. Um, Neck health's important. L- later, uh, right after this, actually, um, here comes the good guys. They they bust in, uh, secure the perimeter, and then they find uh, Kevin there. And uh, like, what is this thing on him? Says Julie, and uh, it's like the collar of Adrubar. It's a the, not a. Like, if it's the one collar you have that does this and it's famous, why would you leave it on the neck of this kid that you just met? It's just if weird. anything, Auntie Roadshow um, or something's going to want it, yeah. even if you don't. Yeah, it's so weird. Um, then uh, Kevin, come, like, they take it off him and he immediately is like, what the hell's going on? Uh, Julie's like, these are my friends. They're They're trying to fight the others. Don't worry. He-Man took several hours and explained to me the entire backstory <laughs> that nobody else who watches the movie will ever get to well, know. Gets to know, yeah. But I am so in on this. I have known these people for 40 minutes. I will die before they don't get back home. And is... believe all of it. Like, yes. none of this is alarming to her. Yeah. Um, so, um, uh, so here we go. Gwildor walks in from the other room and is dressed in a bunch of funny stuff, like a big old lady's hat and sunglasses and a and a mink stole for some reason. 
And he's like, look, native clothing. If we wear this, no one will recognize us. And uh, Kevin's like, what the hell is that thing? And Gildor says, see? And that was the one funny line of dialogue in the entire movie. That's it. Was it. Very well done, but that's it. One and done. That was, you got um, one. So, uh, like, can you, can you help us? Can you, will you take us to Charlie's uh, to get the key? Uh, and so they do. Um, and Lubick is there and he's like, hey, could it be Russian? Because, because it's, it's important that this movie was made in the cold, during the Cold War era, because we have to believe it's the Russians that do everything. Of course. Um, and like, I don't think it's Russian. Uh, but then here, here comes all these, uh, the, the good guys, but they all, again, look very weird to Lubick. And he's like, well, 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 the mountain comes to Muhammad. Who are, I got some questions for all of you, starting with you, Blondie. It's like, uh, we're not your enemies. Uh, please, sir, says Mountain Arms. If you just give us that key, we'd love to, we, that, we, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, uh, hey, uh, uh, he man, I'm showing 0.61 chromons till moonrise. So it has been now 25, 0.25 chromons since the last time you said chromons. And so we have a lot of time before moonrise, honestly. If there was before Underpants Gnomes uh, economics, here you have the Keurig, uh, whatever they were called when Bono was measuring his his peaks. That's basically what the the measure is here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Till moonrise, where we something drastic happens, but nobody knows why. Right. Um, So here come all the bad guys. We can we can see that they've shown up. Um, hey, t- take room. take these the the take Charlie and Lubick and Kevin and Julie and Gwildor, Tila. Take them into the back where Gwildor will try and figure out how to how to get us all back to Eternia. Right, uh, Man at Arms and and um, uh, He Man will sit there and wait for the attack. So um, uh, Karg is like, hey, He Man's in there, and so's the, so's the girl. And uh, and Evelyn's like, um, uh, Beast Man, you lead an attack on my command. Everybody else, come with me. Uh, and so, um, the we're we're in the back, and Gwildor is punching all the buttons and going. And, and Lubick is like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Um, and he's and this is I had to write this down because it's just such a dumb line. Um, uh, Gwildor says, "I'd give all the chalcorite in fa- in Fribilia." If I could only spend two units with a master song maker. Um, what? Uh, just, just say, I don't understand music, but I made a thing that requires me to know music. He is so amazed later when he finds out that like Kevin can play the piano and therefore knows musical notes. Um, but how, how did you invent the thing that requires musical notes to be played in a specific order to travel through space and time if you yourself are tone deaf? That oh, is so I'm, weird. I'm always walking into stuff like that. Do you not? Yeah. You're not just tripping over situations where you're yeah, breaking space no, and time dimension? It's true. Um, so the full assault happens. They They bust through the windows. It is a music store. It is not very large. It's not like a. It's not like a guitar center sized music store. It's no, not it's a just warehouse. Like a local, little, yeah. It's like a little local thing. Uh, so they are firing from a distance of no more than twelve and a half feet and missing everything. 
these they're definitely stormtroopers. Um, so uh, it's a big, 100%. long, long firefight. At one point, Man at Arm throws a grenade at them. Um, uh, so um, Lubick convinces Tila to go out there and help them. It's like World War Three out there. Ain't that your buddies out there getting your head blown off? Tila gives Kevin. Um, so she steals um, Lubick's gun from him earlier in the thing. So she gives it to Kevin. Yes. Says, hey, if anybody tries anything, you blast them with this gun. Um, and uh, so Tila goes out there to help them. And she comes like, look, sounds like you guys need a woman's touch. And then she stands up. She does this. Pew, pew. Pew, pew. And she sits back down. She's like, woman at arms. I'm like, okay. Could they not teach this girl who playing Tila, like, pew, pew, is definitely not at all, like, very intimidating. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I love the idea of her being, like, this badass. Um, oh, yeah. That's cool. But, like... But she then, was not like, a badass. She no, was a the actress was never taught how to be a badass. Um, no. with the With the weapons that they gave her. But anyway. Um, so... Uh, uh, so like uh Lubick says, Hey, give me the give me the gun, kid. Um and um and uh, say hey, back off, Lubick, and, and and Julie Courtney Cox is like, No, we've come too far. We're not about to give up until they get home. You met them a maximum of ninety minutes ago. What <laughs> like, what are you doing? Why do you care so much? I don't understand. Um so uh, I'm going to put you away, you and all your buddies. I'm going to put you away to, for 850 years. And the camera looks at Gwildor, who looks at him. And he goes, what are you looking at, shorty? And he goes back to, like, hitting all the buttons on the thing, whatever. Um, so my, Julie looks out the window. My notes just say Courtney Cox empath. Yes. <laughs> Courtney Cox looks out the window as everyone's having a verbal argument about the gun. She looks at the window and she sees at the end of the alley behind the music store her dead mother. At that moment, Lubick lunges for the gun and he and Kevin are fighting over it. Julie thinks this is a good time to sneak out and say hi to her dead mom while her boyfriend the only person left in this world who cares about her is locked in mortal combat with a policeman who you know has lots and lots of raps on his sheet about excessive force. If he takes the gun from Kevin, there's nothing stopping from putting a bullet in Kevin. Absolutely not. And she's like, oh, you've got this covered, Kev. I'm going to sneak out and say hi to mom. It was the weirdest thing that she does this at that particular time. The script could have could have had people be distracted in the room by anything else <laughs> they could have had anything uh, Gwildor should have been like hey everybody come over here and look at this on this weird alien thing I'm messing with yeah and everyone gathers around and she sneaks out the back but she sneaks out the back while her 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 boyfriend again the only person left in the world who cares about her is maybe about to be killed I don't want to be here for that Gotta leave now. So uh, she walks up to um, to her dead mom, and her mom says, "Oh, I'm sorry you had. I'm sorry about the plane crash. I'm sorry you had to go through that, sweetheart. But we had to disappear for a while. 
your father and I doing very important work, very secret work. Were they spies? Like in the 1980s, like they made a fantastic show about this on FX called The Americans. There was a there was a thing, a thought about how like they were embedded deep into different um, uh, communities. There would be spies who'd be working for, for like the governments of the world, um, but actually just pretending to be regular people. Um, and I think this movie wants us to assume that Courtney Cox believes this ridiculous story from her dead mom because, oh, yeah, my mom was probably a spy. Of that course. probably makes sense. That's the um, only logical conclusion here. Uh, it would be great if we heard from her earlier that she knows they were working on some kind of government project when they died. Yeah. But I don't know what. And then this would have been like, oh, so you faked your death and you couldn't tell me because then, you know, I would be in danger from the Russians. That makes sense. But none of that, none of this makes any sense. And it makes no, Courtney Cox no. very dumb because she believes this is her mother. So yeah. she's like, hey, sweetheart, um, you know, um, your new friends are caught up in the work we're doing and they have something we need. That little metal thing with the flashing lights. Could you go and get that for me, sweetheart? Yes, mommy. I will go and do that for you. And she just walks in there. I, I feel like I feel like you could just once you have her off guard, you could use your mind control powers to like just make her put her in a trance. And she doesn't she goes and does it as opposed to like having free will and doing it, whatever. Anyway, so she so uh Gwildor picks up the gun and fires it into the roof and says, I have serious work to do here. And then Courtney Cox comes in. And it's like, um, like, hey, um, they're alive. My parents are alive. I need this. And she takes the key <laughs> and she runs away. And magic keeps the door locked so nobody can follow her. And she gives the key to the dead mom who gives her a hug. And it's Evelyn. And Courtney Cox screams, no, and then does this. No! No! She's like just running her fingers through her own hair in a very frantic way. It's a, it's a bit much, Courtney. It's um, a lot, but this whole movie kind of is, so I forget. Oh, it, it is. It is. Um, also, what would have helped this particular moment is if she had ever met Evelyn before. This is the first time she's ever seen her. Yeah. Yeah, she's got weird eyes and a kind of a funky costume, but it's not like she can associate her with the people who traumatized her by trying to murder her in a high school gymnasium. Yes. You know what I mean? Um, so then um, the bad guys retreat and the good guys follow. Um, trying to fight, but they can't get the key back. Um, Lubick commandeers Charlie's shotgun. Charlie is very distraught by his the state of his music shop, as well he should be. Uh, this is an invasion, says Lubick. Um, so he he goes out the front, and they still see some more uh, stormtroopers. Like, hey, freeze, you assholes! This is the police. He takes the shotgun, and he racks the shotgun, and then they turn around and shoot a lot of lasers and blow up a car. And he's like, yep. holy shit, I need some backup. Again, um, lasers just mm -hmm. living their best laser life. So Evelyn calls Skeletor um, and opens a giant door so Skeletor can come through. Um, Gwildor's like, someone's opening a door, a very big door. And there's like a crazy windstorm that happens. Everything's being blown everywhere. Where are all of the other people who live in this frigging town? 
<laughs> I thought about this there's too. there's a firefight. There there are it, up and down this block, there are a bunch of shops with apartments above them. Yes. None of the lights come on. Nobody seems to notice that there is a Star Wars style gun battle happening for 12 and a half minutes straight in a storefront of a music shop in downtown, whatever the hell town this is. Nobody cares. Nobody shows up. Nobody see. By the time the movie ends their time in on Earth, the National Guard should have been called and shown up. I what did are you put- doing? I did put in my notes. I was like, nobody ever calls the cops in any of nobody the movies that we do. Well, but L- to your point, the there's point. yes. But to your point, there's an entire. This is too central to the downtown for there not just to be like other people. Like, never mind right. the cops. Yeah. Um. This is where we get to see a Skeletor come in, and it's supposed to be like on a big hovering vehicle, but. Uh, every time they shoot at um, from from below it, but not so far below it that we can see underneath it, it looks like he's riding on a big parade float. Like he should be just like doing this to all the people because he's just slowly throwing candy doing... off of them. But it's again, it's also like where the parade route would be in this town. <laughs> in the town yeah. Like it's just lined with shops and big like lampposts and stuff. And um, behind here is the county softball team who won the championship. <laughs> like it is, yeah. The middle school jazz band playing their <laughs> rendition of um uh so um uh, so we this is great. Um we get Evil in talking about um hello, yes, my lord, we have the key. The natives are fooled and weak and easily controlled. Ain't that the truth, sister? Earthlings, weak willed, weak minded. Easily controlled, sure. Yep, yep. As true as um, it ever were. Yeah. Uh, so a bunch of guys on hoverboards are around, and they're they're chasing He Man and his friends. The first guy on a hoverboard is shot by a laser, and he explodes. Just explodes into a fit of sparks. Okay. Now they run into a building and up the stairs inside the building, on the top floor. The guy, another guy on a hoverboard is shooting his laser through the windows, right? Um, uh, He-Man dodges one, shoots a laser out through the window. He is much, 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 much closer to the second guy that he shoots with the laser than the first guy. Yes. First guy explodes. Second guy just goes and falls off of his, off of his hoverboard. Some consistency with the lasers is all I've got. That's all, that's all I'm saying. The that's sound all I'm saying. that just came um, out of your mouth hole. <laughs> I think could be a gravitone that opens a key to a different portal. It's, um, so, uh, so, um, I don't think I've ever heard a human being make that sound. Thank you. Um, uh, so, He-Man jumps on this uh, hoverboard and he's uh, going after it. Um, there's a high-speed hoverboard chase, and he uses his grappling hook as he passes by Evil Lynn to yoink the uh, the key. That was uh, pretty cool. Right, that was pretty cool. Um, so now uh, Skeletor's on a parade float again. He's a lot of parade <laughs> floating. Um, so now it's there's a well, third hoverboard guy who's chasing him with the key, um, and um, so um, he f- goes up into the branches of a tree on his hoverboard, unless the guy pass. 
and then comes down around and the guy turns around to like double back and he hits him with a sword and then the third guy explodes. So we have we have two guys exploding, one with a laser beam, one with a sword. Second guy with a laser beam just goes and that's <laughs> that's it. There's no consistency at all. Are are these robots or are they men in suits? Because robots explode, but men in suits. Maybe the second guy was a man in a suit, and the first two get the, the first and the third were robots. Maybe that's it. Maybe they're robots in suits. I solved the problem. See, that's that's the thing. Um, so they're on a roof. All of the good guys are on a roof, right? Um, like, uh, so uh, where's He Man? He Man can take care of himself. I'm more more worried about how we're gonna get out of here. Gildor, can you can you get us out of here? Yes, well, I'll keep trying. Meanwhile, behind them is the Skelevator, which I'm, I'm calling it the Skelevator. It's his little parade float, which just goes... And nobody can hear it, but he's literally right behind them as he just rises above the thing. And um, it's like, oh, well, hello there. How are you? I'm here. Uh, so um, uh, the the there's a fourth dude on a, on a hoverboard, and He-Man is chasing him. This guy who's on the hoverboard has nothing that He-Man wants. He-Man is in possession yeah. of the key. He-Man just needs to get to his friends, right? Um, I guess his friends are in the same place, but He-Man is chasing this guy and and then just chases him directly into an ambush. Um, but He-Man's not very bright. Um, no. So... Um, he dumb. Um, so... <laughs> he man is led to wood trap and Julie tries to warn him and gets lightning. She gets purple lightninged. It does not disintegrate her leg. No. Uh, but it, but it does it does hurt. Uh, and he also lightnings the the other key, the He Man key. Um and uh so then He Man fights off all the security guards. Of course. Uh, I think he F5s a couple of them actually. Yeah. Um it feels very much like a bunch of dudes in black shirts and black polos getting tossed over the top rope willy-nilly. <laughs> Um, bunch of indie extras uh, on this one for sure playing security. Yeah. Um, uh, so then everybody was like, ah, stop, enough. Uh, he man, one more move and your friends will be killed. Uh, return to Eternia with me as my slave and save their despicable lives or perish with them on this primitive and tasteless planet. It's a tasteless planet, it kind of is. Not wrong. Um, so he throws he throws down his sword. He's like, like he man, no, don't throw down your sword. Says Tila's like, no, Tila, this is our fight. I don't want innocent people to die. And I love the way Skolator's like, well said, he man. <laughs> How noble! Like he's just so sarcastic. Just very it's dismissive. Great. It's really really um, fun. Blade picks up the he man's sword and he's like. <sighs> I got the sword. Like he's so excited about the sword. He, I got a sword. He's just like a little kid with the sword. Hell um, yeah. Um, he says, um, so what are we going to, they, they take He-Man and they're going to go and they're like, what do we do with the rest of these people? Um, uh, no, 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 we're not going to kill them. Let them live. He-Man is my slave. And as long as I let them live, he is bound by his word. Let them rot. <laughs> Let them rot. He does a lot of things twice. Um, then on his skele- on his on his skelevator, he goes very slightly, very slowly, and it's very comical. He just goes. It's a Cody Vader. It goes real it slow. A, it, it's it's the, it's the skelevator. Um, so um, 
So apparently, uh, the lightning, when it doesn't disintegrate people, it poisons them. They say it's poison. It's poison in her blood. Lightning poison. Lightning, lightning. is magic. Lightning brings robots to life and also disintegrates people or poisons them. Um, we, we, we can't go home. The key's memory has been erased by the power surge of lightning poison. So it poisons her blood, disintegrates Sarad, and overcharges the power core of the key. Just wanted to make sure we got all that right. Um, they're down it's the street level. By... Force. Yeah. They're down the street level now, and uh, Julie's leg is bubbling. Like, it is yeah, one of the most looking gruesome good. looking wounds I've ever seen in any movie. Um, these The tones were erased. I can't program them again. How did you program them the first time? How did you make this thing? You can't, you have no idea what tones are. You don't know how are. a music works. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so, it wouldn't be uh, so great if it was just like Sweet Caroline. Yeah. Like the ground. <laughs> ba ba da. Ba ba ba. Ba ba My god, another dimension. <laughs> um, so, uh, anyway. What if um, we get drunk and do karaoke? <laughs> Kevin's like, so the tones, wait a minute. Tones? Um, you mean the the notes that the that where the thing plays when you hit the button? Yeah, I know those. That's fine. Are you a master song maker? No, dude, he's just a guy who plays keyboards. No, I um, I, I played recorder and then I took piano for three years and now I have a band. This is uh this is this is some really over dramatic stuff and I do love it. I'm just a stupid keyboard player in a high school band. There's a million of me. Only one of you, Kevin. Only one of anybody. Oh. And then <laughs> Man at Arms is like, listen to me, boy. In half a chromon, we're not going to have a sorceress to go back to. So if you know how to do something with that thing, then you do it, damn it. Um, by the way, only the sorceress can counteract the poison of Skeletor. So Julie is her own ticking clock. Yes. Honestly, I do not fucking care about getting back to Moonrise, but I do care about Julie not dying, says says most of the people in the audience. So there, there you go. We got to do that. Because if we don't get back by Moonrise, then for some reason the sorceress dies, and then nobody nobody can help um, her. So there we go. So Tila says, Kevin knows the tones. Can you get us home? And, uh, and Gilder's like, yes, I think I can, but I need a few things. I need a basonic tesseract. Attila's like, I have one right here. It's attached <laughs> to my arm for some reason. They don't ever tell us what a basonic tesseract is. Oh, I also need an octode rectifier. And Man at Arms goes, I have an octode rectifier. What the fuck is a basonic tesseract and an octode rectifier? How do those things who will help him rebuild the cosmic key why do you have those things on your person for another reason? Movie never explained. I don't know. I do know there is an excellent uh, prog band named Tesseract. I don't mm -hmm. know if it's it yeah. has to do with no this here cartoon, mm -hmm. but I don't know what one is. Not in uh, a, a, a Tesseract is the cube within a cube. Okay, basically is is what that is like. It's a it's a geometric terminology i looked it up um octode means nothing <laughs> but listen 
if you don't rectify your octodes, what do you got? You got nothing. I mean, what you, gotta are we... recti- you gotta rectify your octodes. I mean, what are we doing? Like, yeah. um, so we also need something to play the keys, the the um, the notes on. So yes. I'm gonna, I'll go get a, I'll go get a keyboard from Charlie's. I'm sure at least one of the keyboards in Charlie's was not exploded by the giant Star Wars <laughs> laser panel. <laughs> It'll be fine. I'll go get it's one of those. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. Um. Skeletor shows up with He-Man and he's like, um, I win, he says to nobody. I win. Uh, Sorceress is old now. She's all withered and gray. Um, she says, um, says, how, she says, no, you must not do this. How dare you deprive me of my destiny? And then she says, this is very good stuff. I like this. Men who crave power look back on all the mistakes of their lives, pile them all together and call it destiny. Like, holy shit. That's profound. profound. There's like two. There's movie. two really profound lines in <laughs> in this movie that, like, I was like, "Wow!" That the second one, I want to like put on. I want to put on like one of those like motivational uh, sayings <laughs> yeah. on a wall. Like, it's really good. The second one, I'll say that in a second. Um, so he's like, uh, I was "Like, oh, what a wonderful bit of philosophy there, sorceress. Here is my reply." And Blade shows her the sword. I got a He-Man sword. Like, he just shows it to her. Um, like, he's so proud of it. It's like. I have the sword of Grayskull. And the look on the sorceress's face when she realizes it's that sword. Again, at this point, we have no, we just know it's He-Man's sword. That's all we know. But he puts it inside a little sheath thing by the throne that like lights up and everything. It's like, now I have the power. Oh, okay, cool. Um, The great eye will open and then all of this stuff will happen, he says. But they never tell us why. Um, Yeah. Now you will kneel before your leader. I'll never kneel to you. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Or I shall wreak unforgettable harm upon you. Well, not me so much as my third henchman, but that guy's going to do it. (laughs) And then Blade takes like an energy whip and like whips him with it a lot. Um, It does it for a long time. Uh, Lubick um, has a a, a force of, of cops now with him. And he says, I was in Korea. I never saw anything like this. Oh, and then they see Kevin in the, in the souped up Cadillac driving back to the courtyard. Yes. They're going to follow him. Um, Courtney Cox has been um, fully damseled now. Like she's like, oh, I don't know. I have no agency anymore. Carry me. Somebody carry me. I don't know what to do. Um, um, so, okay. Um, where is your strength? Where is it gone? Who are you now if you are not the strongest man alive? Um, and then we get um, we get random uh, Stormtrooper. Not Karg, not Blade, not Just even guy. Yeah. Random guy goes, the moon rises to its apex. He goes, I can feel it. You can? Um, do you, this is the great thing. Do you hear the Alpha? The Omega, death and rebirth. And as you die, so shall I be reborn. He's just just swallowing the scenery whole. Frank Langella is just going all out here. Um, so they, um, Lubick goes in by himself to take custody of all these bad guys who are going to travel through time. Um, and the, the, he play, plays the notes, Kevin does, and the whole thing whoop, goes to get, and then they land in the, um, um, oh wait, 
Now that doesn't happen until after he has the crazy thing where like he, the the thing opens up. The, oh, the great eye, which is just a circle in the in the wall of the place, opens up, and three glowing orange oh, yeah. orbs just just enter in. his body, and he goes like, um, "Now I am master of the universe." Okay, wait. So, is that what happens every night when the thing opens up, and like whoever is standing there is master of the universe? So is yes, that whoever, what makes whoever's He-Man, in He-Man or yeah. is that what makes the sorceress the sorceress? But like you're there now, and that's why the the movie could have said like whoever is standing in front of the golden eye is the most powerful person in the universe. It's usually He-Man, but now it's Skeletor, and that's not good for us. Like they could have explained that they never did. He says he's part of the cosmos. Um, uh, um, uh, uh, he becomes a god. Um, he's he's all dressed in gold. He's got a very very big. You can tell by the way Frank Langella is his head is moving. It is a very heavy hat that he is wearing. He's just just trying to get a bearing on what he's standing. It's trying giant. to find a center. I of am a god. Now you will kneel, and he starts shooting shooting um eyes out of his lasers out of his Laser eyes. Laser eyes. Now. Yep. Um. So uh, now. All of the, um, all the guy, the half of the car they were hiding behind a, a a bench, a big section of wall, brick wall, all show up in the throne room, like the 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 doorway, like pulled. It is the only time the doorway ever pulls inanimate objects, like parts of the scenery come with them into the throne room. Sucked up. But yeah. parts of the throne room do not get sucked with them to a, to Earth when they do it the first time. So again, a little consistency. It's all the Sure. Answer. Come on, movie. Um, uh, so um, Skeletor shoots yellow lightning out of his fingers, not purple anymore. He accidentally, that means, it, he meant like, oh, thank you for the lightning. Broke my chains. Broke my chains. Now I'm going to fight all your guys with my hands. Um... And then somebody starts shooting at Lubick, who has no idea what's going on. He's like, nobody takes pot shots at Lubick. All right, you pinkos, bring it on. He starts shooting them with the shit. <laughs> Come on, you mother. He's just shooting. Oh, my God. It is ridiculous. That um, is- so He-Man fights off a bunch of guys, runs up to the top of the thing, and he grabs the... He's shooting yellow lightning at him forever. And he's like, ow, that kind of hurts, but I'm still going to pull the sword out. <laughs> like, it doesn't actually do anything to him. Um, so he pulls the sword out and he goes, I have the power! Which, of course, is what He-Man says during these scenes. I have the power! You can't make the movie without having him say that. No. Um, so uh, he says, uh, let's fight! Yes! Let this be our final battle! And they go, ting! Like really slowly, it's a really bad fight. Correct, it's really bad. Uh, and uh, and the and the sword. And at one point, he the sword he chops the the staff in half with the sword. And apparently, all of his god power was stored in the in the set in the staff. staff. Yeah. But the little orbs went into his body, not into the staff. If they went into the staff, I'd have no problem with that. But they Maybe went into the his combo? body. I don't know, but the staff has nothing to do with with the, with the orbs. No, not at all. Which is what made him into a god. 
Anyway, he goes, um, all right. Skeletor, it's over. Yes. For you! And then he pulls out another sword, the regular sword, and he gets kicked off of a very tall... Like, I guess there's a very... I don't know why there's a bottomless pit in the throne room, but there is, and there he is falls. One. He falls into it. There's falls. And everyone's like, hey, victory! And this, the, the sorceress is young again, youngish. And everyone's like, hey, victory, victory! And, and Tellman's like, <sighs> victory. And um, uh, apparently all the bad guys ran away. We never saw them run away, but there are no bad guys in the They're throne room. There. Nobody like throwing down their weapons. They just ran away. Um, we never saw what happened to Evelyn or Blade or Karg or the Beast Man. They just ran away. Unresolved. Cut to, and again, I don't know if this is two hours later or two months later. They're walking up in the throne room is all nice. They have good guys who are now soldiers in the throne room. And um, and Kevin's like, hey, Lubick, look at you. So you're really going to stick around here, huh? And Lubick is wearing resplendent blue regal robes sitting on the throne with a, with a, with a, I don't know slave girl i don't know what she's wearing a toga standing next to him i don't know but he's like hey what in, am i gonna go a, back in there a for? knockoff star wars it's a very knockoff princess what am i gonna go back there for i got a here i got a castle you have a castle wait a minute hold on you have a castle i got a castle i got clean air i got a beautiful woman is a sweetheart if if this is not by your consent just blink twice just like, yeah I don't. Why does? Why is the beautiful woman with Lubick? I don't understand. Um, uh, we have. We never even saw sorceress save Julie. That was the whole ticking clock. By the way, once like they 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 went to the other place. Julie's just never seen again until she's she's healthy. Until she's yeah. It's very um, weird. The sorceress gives her a small orb. Now you will always have Eternia with you because I gave you this very small orb. And um, they say, don't, don't say goodbye. Say good journey. Uh, and Man in Arms says, this is a fantastic, I love this. There's an old Eternian saying, which, which says, live the journey. For every destination is but a doorway to another. And that should be on like, you know, all those like um, um, uh, motivational Little plaques that moms yeah. put up in their kitchen. That <laughs> shit should be on one of those. That should be on Driftwood in a TJ Maxx somewhere. For yes. Sure. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Home Goods needs to have a line of live the journey, like etched into Driftwood shit. Absolutely. Um, uh, so, like, do you, uh, Wildor says, hey, do you want me to send you back to a different time? I can send you anywhere you want. Um, uh, no, let's, let's just get home. I'm sure it's fine. And as they're like leaving through the through the thing, she remembers. She goes, "No, wait! Wildor sent us back, back to before the plague." And they they leave, um, and she wakes up. Now, this is the weirdest thing in a movie full of very weird things. I thought she this was up. all a dream. I thought it was going to be one of those, and I was like, no. "Come on!" She wakes up in her own bed, and she picks up a a, a picture that has her family on it, and she hugs it. And she gets out of bed and she is wearing a full chin to toes all the way down to her wrists floral print nightgown 
like your great aunt Mildred wore in 1928. I, my notes just say nightgown over and over and over again because it's the most inexplicable. Who thought this is what the character of Julie, as played by Courtney Cox, would wear to bed? It is so, so obtrusive. Everything she does in this final scene makes less sense because she's wearing the most dowdy-looking nightgown anyone's ever worn. Amish women don't wear stuff like this. I literally have in my nose, why are you Amish, though? <laughs> it's so hilarious. Oh, my God. She goes downstairs and her parents are alive. It is the day that they were supposed to go to Catalina, or supposed to do the beach. She's like, oh, no, hey, hey, uh, I decided let's go to the beach. Let's go to the beach instead. Like, no, no, you study. We're going to go to Catalina. Like, no, no, uh, I have a badly bad fighting about that plane ride. Oh, but your father's an excellent pilot. We'll be fine. And so she steals the keys and the maps and the compass, I don't know, um, to the plane. Like, I love you. And she runs away. And she's running through a ta- like the, the her neighborhood in this ridiculous nightgown and little like she's got little little slippers on and and then kevin's there and kevin's fully dressed by the way kevin's not wearing the equivalent i don't know what that would be like silk pajamas or something i don't know what he doesn't have like a scrooge an ebenezer scrooge nightcap on like i don't know why he's he's fully clothed and he runs up to her and he's like hey my god it's it's it, your parents are alive. I know. How did you know? And he has the little little Eternia thing with him. It, they sorcerers gave it to her, but he's got it now. I don't know why. Oh look, Eternia. Ah, Eternia. And they they hug. And then the opening credit. And then the closing credits. And at the end of the credit credits, we see Skeletor's head coming up from like some bubbling pink liquid, and he says, "I'll be back." So they were going to do a sequel. What did they not do, though? They did not do a sequel. And I'm Um, told you did not tell me yet. No, I did not. Because you said I have to wait till we get on air. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Kate. What was what was the plot line of this? It was um, it was going to call. They were going to be called Master of the Universe Two: Revenge of the Beast. I don't know why. I don't know what there's a beast. The script featured He-Man returning to Earth to battle Skeletor, who had returned to Earth previously, and possessed the body of a big business entrepreneur, a billionaire, named Mr. Dark, taking control of the technology of Dark Industries (laughs) in a new effort to take over the universe. (laughs) Mr. Dark of Dark Industries. Yes. Yeah. I believe it's Tony Dark of Dark Industries. (laughs) On Skeletor's trail, He-Man was to go undercover to pursue his enemy. What do you believe he goes undercover as, Kate? Oh, no. Um... I'm thinking about how Rob Schneider was presented on no, South no. Park. Was he a stapler? No. no. <laughs> a, a carrot. Professional 
NFL quarterback. How did they not do this remake? I'm assuming this like the greatest movie ever. I'm assuming that like Tony Dark of Dark Industries also is the owner of that team. Like, and that's how you would know. That's how they would. Well, come we to don't. Inside. We're not sure, Alex, because this the masterpiece problem... was never created for us. Dolph Lundgren said, "Hell no." So they were going to recast He-Man with professional surfer Laird Hamilton. I guess because of the hair. And that's it. So professional surfer Laird Hamilton was going to play He-Man who comes to Earth to stop Tony Dark of Dark Industries by becoming a professional quarterback. And they did not do this movie. They came very close because, as I said, all of the sets were already built. All of all of the co- costumes were already made. And they gave all of those sets and costumes to the movie Cyborg. I'm not at all being dramatic when I say there is no God that this movie <laughs> did not get made. If it had been, we would have watched it. Forget the flick out of here. Uh, no, we have to say what, what I was going to do the big dramatic ending. Um, uh, yeah, Mr. I, Dark I, of Dark Industries going under quarter as an NFL cover yeah. as an NFL yeah. quarterback. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Robbed. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, this movie is banned. Yes. Today of all days. Uh-huh. I am gonna keep it in because yeah. I feel like this is one of the most harmless ways that you can pop for nostalgia. Yeah, yeah. There are way worse ways. If for no other reason than to than for Frank Langella, I was gonna say yeah, chewing up the scenery as Skeletor, and just seeing the beginning of let's stray as far as we possibly can from the source material. Um, 80s and 90s uh, adaptations of stuff. This is the beginning of it. Um, yeah, this was... So bad I mean, and insane, it's it, fun. It is a time capsule for a certain type yeah. of 80s pop culture thing. Um, yeah. And and it's, it's certainly worth watching for that. But it is very bad. Uh, and uh, it is so bad, it is good. There's yes. a lot of so bad it's good. Once you re- once you once you know that Karg, <laughs> the little guy with the bad skin and Bonnie Ta- and Violet Bonnie Tyler hair, carries around a tiny little knife that he never, never uses uses. to do a damn thing for the entire movie. They don't even cut through it's like a so forest funny. where he has to like cut weeds no. out of the way with it. It's it's there's so many things that once you know to look for them are so funny. Just. Count the number of times that Dolph Lundgren goes while fighting somebody. Oh it, my god, the, he has six is, accents in this too. He has no idea this, in the world where he's from. This it's is so much absolutely a, a movie ripe for like drinking games and like certain like take a shot whenever somebody says whatever. You know, like there's just certain things about that. This is a perfect type of movie to like get together and like okay, watch for this when this thing happens type of deal. Um, it is that that is what I will say, but it is a, a very bad movie. Keeping it in, keeping it in, keeping it in. <laughs> um, uh, cool. Uh, Kate, we'll figure out something else. Listen, guys, 
I know people thought we were going to do the Chris Jericho thing this week. <laughs> but we found out that we, we, we can't because there's a sequel. And, and it's and there's, a, there's, there's a cliffhanger at the end of the first one. And the second one is a Christmas movie. And you have to do both. So the final, the final Friday of November, we're going to review the first one. And the first Friday of Praying for My Own Death December, we're doing the sequel which apparently is going to wrap up all the loose ends from the first one. The first one is so terrible. I cannot imagine the second one's better. I cannot wait to watch um, it. Uh, I will uh, let the people know, little teaser, I got a message from Alex while he was watching that movie that just said, I wish a meteor struck this horse staple and killed yes. everybody in it, I nope. think. Horse farm, so, horse farm. I want, the, farm, yeah. I want a meteor to hit this to hit this hit, horse farm. Yes, horse farm. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to it. Yeah, mm -hmm. good. All right, great. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Uh, have a really good weekend. We went we went long today because the movie deserved it. It did. Um, but we'll we'll see you all in the next one. Next time we say get the flick out of here. Bye, everybody. R e s p e c t. Click the subscribe button and find out what it means to me. Nah, that doesn't have a ring to it. But if you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.